0: for cover-to-cover open book. I'm Shuka Kalantari, and this is Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. One Day, a Collective Narrative of Tehran is a collection of works by eight Iranian artists based in Tehran who use photography, video, audio, and maps to draw attention to the politically contested public spaces in Tehran, a city of 12 million inhabitants. I am joined in the studio today with the artist and curator of this very unique and timely exhibit, Tarana Himomi. She has been an artist in residencies at the Dejari Resident Artists Program, Montalvo Center for the Arts, California Art Council, The Lab, and most recently at the Center for Public Life, ...at the California College of the Arts in Oakland. Welcome to Open Book, Tehran. One day, a collective narrative of Tehran was conceived before the June 2009 protests of the Iranian elections and the subsequent Green Movement. Some of the artists produced their works before the protests, and some did so after. Yet each piece of art seems to reflect a part of the struggle of this protest... Though the installation is not directly about the protests, the essence of these protests are prevalent throughout the art. So why is there this sense of this push and pull where where it's about something but it's not about something?
1: So it's interesting interpretation of the pieces that are in the exhibition. I think it'll help to talk about the process that we went through in forming the exhibition and the project. The Project one day sort of started a couple of years ago, so we were in the process of working together as a collective and the, from the very beginning of the project, it was intended to be a co- collaborative process, Um, one that would give the control of the final exhibition to the artists of the show rather than me from the outside of Iran, sort of predetermining what the exhibition would be, Uh, which is what happens a lot in exhibitions in Iran. A lot of curators from outside go to Iran with a set idea of what they want to do, and they pre-select the pieces for the show. We did the kind of opposite. Uh, I presented the idea one day, really looking for the everyday of Tehran, um, out of curiosity, out of uh, reconnecting back to the city of my childhood, and um, worked with Ghazaleh Hedayat, who's my um, co-organizer of the exhibition, who, and also a past collaborator while she was here at San Francisco Art Institute for her MFA. And... Um, invited a group of artists. And and for those two years, they basically met regularly, talking about the pieces, proposing projects and ideas, and discussing how the works would actually have a dialogue with one another. And so the works came about in relationship to one another. So this happened... Throughout 2008 and 2009, I went back to Iran in the summer, a few weeks before the election, and most of the work had already been done, Um, and there were a few artists that hadn't finished their works, and we were discussing that. But, of course, the elections sort of changed everything, and we had all these discussions about what the works meant you know, these specific works that had been chosen for the show meant um, considering everything that had happened in Tehran and how Tehran, in a way, had changed for them and for the audience that was going to be here in the U.S., in San Francisco. And we, you know, went back and forth trying to decide which pieces would actually fit in the exhibition. Uh, we ended up keeping some of the work that was intended for the show and then altering some of the other ones that would speak about what was going on a little bit more directly than other choices that we had before. And several pieces were made after the elections in response to what was happening.
0: When walking up the stairs to um, the intersection for the Arts Gallery, the first thing that you notice is a bright neon sign reading Yek Rus, which means one day in Farsi. I guess my question is, Yekruz what? Um, (laughs) What does one day mean to you in this piece? Mm -hmm. So the piece actually sort of exists
1: outside of the actual gallery space. So it's disguised as the sign for the show. Yekruz has all these multiple meanings. Um, Yekruz, the everyday life of Tehran, as I was talking about. Um, But also, one day, has this hopeful one day... We will return. One day Tehran will be home again. One day Iran would experience democracy. You know, there is, uh, the, to me, the um, sign, the green neon sign that spells out one day actually speaks to my hope for the country but also it is like I said it's it's, it's a sign declaring the title of the exhibition as well
0: when you walk into the actual gallery then one of the first things that I noticed was also one of your installations uh, turning green which is effectively a, a map of Tehran can you describe that installation and and what compelled you to produce it So
1: in the process of putting the exhibition together, there are eight artists that are from Iran. They live in Tehran and work in Tehran. And then there's me as the organizer of the exhibition, but also one of the artists of the show. And the difference between my relationship to Tehran and their relationship to Tehran had to be present in the piece that I would create for the exhibition so it became kind of a question (laughs) as to what that piece would be and for me it made perfect sense to kind of reflect on my distance to this city that I always see from the outside and I always experience from you know Google Maps and uh, through the internet and as much as the pieces in the exhibition by the Iranian artists that live there are about the everyday and their sense of the city itself mine it is about that, um, it's about the distance that I feel from it and the fact that I haven't lived there for over 30 years. So the piece is a green carpet, a wool carpet piece that is uh, laser-cutted so that only the streets and the main avenues of the city are left and everything else is taken out. Initially, I was thinking of actually just creating... The routes of the demonstrations. But again, going back to that hopeful, and actually my experience in Tehran as well, the hope for Tehran turning green completely, because as I was there, there was definitely a division between the northern part of Tehran and the southern part of Tehran. The northern part was definitely the green part and then the southern part wasn't. But I kind of made a, a creative choice of creating everything in green carpet. And carpet made perfect sense to me because as, as a hostess of the, my artists coming from Iran, I really wanted to have a sense of home here for them. So there was something that would anchor the show. It's about Tehran and also sort of welcome them into the space
0: it's a lovely piece well, thank you um so let's talk about the the other exhibits surrounding it one exhibit that also really stands out was nimo alizade's audio installation that you hear play out throughout the entire time you're there i think it, it just it repeats it loops, yeah. it, it loops yes so um Nemo alizade's audio installation this is tehran Voices of the Islamic Republic of Iran, is played continuously throughout the exhibit and uses audio exclusively from Iranian radio stations. Right. And with voices pretty much telling you various things, like, for example, war is inevitable, and we are going to show our fists to the world. And just various statements from the Islamic Republic about, I guess generally about values, why are voices from Radio Ted on so prevalent throughout the entire exhibit? What does this say about Iran's relationship to their own media outlets? It's interesting because the, Nemo's piece changed
1: completely from what it was originally going to be. He's a musician, and his piece was going to be a composition interaction with the sounds of the city initially. And he started collecting both traffic sounds as well as the radio, but the radio became prominent in his piece and eventually became the, the primary source of the entire piece as the elect, you know he started collecting the sound pieces before the election a few weeks before the election and he continued collecting throughout for about three months so through October basically and focused on the state radio as a sound that you kind of a unifier sound for the whole entire city and we decided to use that as a unifying element for the entire exhibition as well it's something that you hear in the cars as you're driving around you know all the cabs are playing that and it's va- it's not um, one program it's an array of different programs it's uh, children's programming news music um, but it's all propaganda it's all state propaganda and a lot of it does go back to values a lot of talks about martyrs and so on it's it's, it's pretty amazing but um it also alters the truth of the events that was happening and for those of us who experienced what was actual and then what was actually uh, being heard in the state radio. It became very frustrating and it still continues to be frustrating to listen to the interpretations of the Allahu Akbar coming from the rooftops as a call for Khomeini's. It's pretty amazing and upsetting as well. But it's also the reality of the everyday life in Tehran that you are dealing with heavy propaganda.
0: No, and it's really powerful because, as I said, while you're looking at every other piece, you have have these voices in the background kind of with this propaganda telling you how to think, how to feel. Um, mm-hmm. I actually wanted to step back for a second on what were you, you were saying about the Tehran radio's interpretation, I guess you could say, <laughs> of the of the Aloha Akbars. So can you explain exactly what that is? And This was shocking to me <laughs> as I was listening to it. It
1: starts with the Aloha Akbar sounds coming from the rooftops, which was really surprising that they would actually dedicate, uh, you know, the airwaves to that sound, and then they talk about the Allahu Akbar being said in support of Khamenei, which is the opposite of what it was. And what we decided to do also was to add another element, a visual, a visceral element to the exhibition that would tie all the pieces together, and that was part of the radio program. We chose particular sentences out of that and basically using vinyl covered the walls of the gallery with the excerpts of the different statements coming from the gallery. From
0: and it's, The it's, propaganda, the propaganda,
1: Right, that covers the whole wall of the entire show. And it's in Farsi, so there's still that distance. It didn't make sense to translate it and put it on the walls, but the translation is available to the audiences.
0: If you are joining us now, I'm Shuka Kalantari, and you are listening to Open Book on KPFA. FM in Berkeley, I have with me in the studio Iranian-American artist Tarana Hemami. She teamed up with eight young artists in Iran to curate One Day, a collective narrative of Tehran, which describes life in the city of Tehran through the eyes of its artists. You can see the exhibit at the Intersection for the Arts in San Francisco through January 23rd. And there will be a multimedia event in conjunction with One Day, A Collective Narrative of Tehran, tomorrow, January 16th, at 7 p.m. at the Intersection for the Arts, which is located at 446 Valencia Street in San Francisco. Tehran is a pretty big and a very busy city. Um, And yet one common theme in this exhibit is that you rarely see people. Um, mm. There are a few where you do, but many of the landscape pieces are just that. There's just landscape and no people. And yet, um, you s- oftentimes in those pictures see emblems of different emblems of the Islamic Republic. Mm. What does this say about the boundaries of Tehran's public spaces? I guess my first question is was this intentional? And if so, mm. what does it say about the boundaries of Tehran's public spaces?
1: It was intentional as far as each individual artist sort of choosing the work and deciding to focus on different aspects of the city. And um, it seemed like most wanted to really interact with the structure of the city itself. So it was about the roads and the buildings and public spaces sort of becoming this stage where life happens. I find it interesting that most documentation and images that you see of Tehran focuses on the people. And it's filled with people, like I said. <laughs> it's a crowded city. And so the signifier of Tehran, you know, the women in chadors and the veils become the prominent images of Tehran that you see and the city becomes a background only. And in a way that it's shifted and it's changed completely. In thinking about, you know, the exhibition as a whole and the pieces that are empty of, of you know, The void of people is really present. I I think the life that people experience in, in Iran, the life that they claim as theirs, actually happens indoors. The public life is completely separated from the private life. In order to explore the relationship they have with Tehran, it's interesting that they have actually chosen not to include anyone in the city. And they've done it in various
0: ways. In Mehran Mohajer's piece, Ted on Undated, we once again see images of Ted on streets from the lens of a pinhole camera this time, but mm-hmm. once again, no people.
1: So he intentionally used the pinhole camera so that the again, the structure of the city would remain while the people become a blur and as they move across the camera. So they become these haunting images of the city. Uh, with signs of people without any individuals actually being present in the in the city. One of the things that may help in sort of the understanding of the choice of the artists and the choices of the works is that we chose artists that use the city as their muse. So these are artists that have done a lot of projects about Tehran and they're very different from one another. This particular wor- work in a way became representative of the day's right after the election uh, when the streets of tehran the city of seven million were in fact empty of people except for when the demonstrations were happening the city was paralyzed it was completely closed off the shops were closed people stayed indoors and the city was empty and so (laughs) it's a reflection of my experience in tehran um, after the elections and the weight of experience of that time period.
0: Um, As you mentioned, you collaborated with Khazadeh Hedayat to produce this exhibit. Mm -hmm. Can you describe her installation, Taxiography?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting installation. It's made up of 72 individual pieces of paper, basically, that uh, are filled with... Um, what looks like maps of the city or alternative maps of Tehran in some ways, but in fact is a very conceptual map of the city. She is recording her experiences of traveling through the city with taxis and other means of public transportation by basically putting her pen to a piece of paper And recording her travels through the city, in a way recording the bumps and the turns and the stops and the skin of the city, the experience of the skin of the city is reflected in the map. And what she's done is she always has the beginning of the route and the end of the route. And then there's also three colors. One is for freeways and one for main streets of the city and one is more for alleys and... As you read it, it's very loaded in its meaning right now because it talks about Maidana Azadi to Maidana um, Mqalab, you know, as, as the routes of her travels or from Maidana Azadi to Beher Sahra, which is the cemetery of uh, Tehran as another route. And, and, and so you become really engaged in deciphering these paths and the journeys and Knowing what has happened in Tehran recently, you add another layer of meaning to this otherwise very conceptual piece that was actually done before the elections.
0: And one very just simple thing I I got out of it from you know the few times I've been to Tehran mm-hmm. myself is that you essentially spend all your time in a taxi <laughs> or a subway or a car. That gridlock traffic there makes LA look. <laughs> Great. Yeah. It's, um, I think half of your life is spent in, in traffic, basically. One installation that particularly moved me was Neda Razavipur's video installation, Find the Lost One. It shows a split-screen video installation of people coming and going from a subway station in Iran. Mm. And on the right screen, one of the people are supposed to be missing. It's a interactive exhibition where you have to literally find the lost person but i I found that the process of trying to find this erased person actually causes a sense of anxiety or nervousness what do you think was neda Razavipur's intention of this exhibit
1: This is another piece that was actually done before the elections, and it shifted meanings completely after the elections. In fact, we had a discussion with Neda. She, for a while, wasn't sure if she wanted to participate in the exhibition because of the meaning that the work now carries with itself. Because as you may know, there are a lot of people who have disappeared only to be found later in the prisons in Tehran, as well as injured and dead. And this, of course, is not new unfortunately in our history and it has happened over and over again so her piece even though it was done before the elections it was alluding to that the fact that you really are not in control of your life that there is another force that may decide on your fate and what would become of you (laughs) So, she sees this as a game. There are two screens next to each other, and as I said, they're identical. They're actually a scene from the metro in Mir Damad, and people are just passing by the camera. But the audience is asked to find the, the erased one on the right-hand side. It even tells you where to look, and it's impossible to find it find the person, we, believe me, we looked for a long time and still couldn't find the missing person. You start looking at the shadows and you start looking in detail to every every individual that is passing by the camera and what's interesting is that it could be anybody. What it forces you to do is to actually look at every individual with so much intention and, and so much attention. That you see them for the first time, um, you know otherwise you've usually you know spend a few seconds in front of a video <laughs> screen, maybe, but um, I've had people in groups come and sit and actually watch the video for half an hour trying to find that missing person. all of the pieces for the exhibition have been made for this one-day concept. And so they're all original and they're all about the everyday experiences. And so her piece is alluding to that. It's, in fact, alluding to the fact that this is their everyday reality and someone could be missing.
0: Can you also please describe Sabo Alizadeh's work, Captured Breath?
1: Sabo Alizadeh's uh, piece is a sculptural piece, is basically a white cube that has 72 holes drilled into it all around. When you get close to it, you hear breathing in and breathing out coming from the inside of the box. And um, the piece was made after the elections. It was one of the last pieces that was added to the show. And um, it's kind of a memorial to uh, the 72 martyrs, as they call it, of the elections.
0: All of the artists, as you mentioned, um, b- besides you, mm-hmm. are currently living right now in Tehran. Was there difficulty in sending their works in sending their art to the U.S.? Mm-hmm. How did they get around getting their stuff here to the U.S.?
1: Right. Well, from the very beginning, as we were thinking about the exhibition, we were very aware that this would could be a problem, not just because of customs and politics, but also because of cost and so on. And so intentionally, we actually went with mostly photographers and videographers, um, people whose work could have been transferred digitally and we would produce their work here. Uh, it ended up that few of the artists actually chose to ship the work and it did become a real problem as uh, right now any work that reaches the U.S. coming from Iran is, gets stuck in customs and also not mentioning the kind of questioning that they might have faced trying to get the work outside of Iran. Most of the artists uh, who shipped their work had to ship the work out to uh, with a friend to a European country and then have the work be shipped actually originating from Europe to the U.S. so that they would surpass that you know, that
0: problem. One of the things that came to my mind when I saw this exhibit is that to a certain degree all of these artists are putting their necks on the line because they live in Tehran, they live in Iran, they live under the regime and yet they are, you know, presenting art that is abstract but can definitely portray a, a very political message.
1: Hmm.
0: How have you guys dealt with that?
1: We were very aware of it. We had all these discussions before I left. We thought about not having the exhibition, even though we had worked on it for two years, because of that exact reason, because of the unknown of the reaction to the exhibition. And um, a lot of the work were done before the election and had nothing to do with the election. But then they end up meaning something completely different now, and they take on these very charged, very political meanings. So, in fact... A couple of the artists that were involved from the very beginning of the process decided not to participate in the show because of those reasons. It was really important to give the show a context and be in control of the media into whatever form that we could. So we're very aware of that responsibility. We didn't want anything to happen to any of the artists in Iran.
0: Do you plan on going back to these same artists for future installations? The
1: artists in this exhibition are some of the more prominent artists in Iran. They're amazing. Their work is shown across Europe and elsewhere in biennials and so on. So I hope so. They're very interested in having the exhibition travel back to Iran. They're interested in having it show in Iran, which I think will also shift the meaning again in that context.
0: So it's it's interesting. Uh, Hopefully I'll I'll go to Iran with the work, we'll see. (laughs) Do you think that such an installation would be accepted in Iran? What amazes me about artists in Iran is that they are
1: very active in addressing the issues that they're dealing with every week. And there's a lot of exhibitions uh, that open every week in Tehran and elsewhere in Iran. And they are very charged, very political. They sometimes get closed up. Sometimes they get in trouble. But they are brave people as we've seen, and um, they go head-on and willing to sort of take that risk.
0: What artistic boundaries, if any, Mm -hmm. are artists in Tehran or in Iran faced with?
1: There are a set of restrictions that they have to deal with. Nudity, for instance, is a (laughs) no-no. And political work is definitely examined closely. But a lot of times what happens is that the show goes up, and the first night... A lot of people will come to the opening and they will see the show and they make it closed up after, after that. But the experience of the show exists. So it's, it's very interesting how they deal with that. And also, you know, we Iranians are really used to working within the boundaries of censorship. And there's all these metaphors that are used and abstractions become a very strong tool. And of course, um, you can say that the officials also are very aware of all of those metaphors and, and the meanings behind the abstractions. So it's, it's, it's an interesting back and forth game that is played between the authorities and the artists the filmmakers writers etc
0: Bay Area artist Hemami, is the curator of One Day a collective narrative of Tehran the exhibit features the works of eight artists living in Iran's capital city of Tehran to see more images from the exhibit please visit us online at www.vomina.org slash blog That's www.vomena.org slash blog. And there will be a multimedia event in conjunction with One Day, A Collective Narrative of Tehran, tomorrow, January 16th at 7 p.m. at the Intersection for the Arts, located at 446 Valencia Street in San Francisco. You can find out more at intersectionforthearts.org. I am Shuka Kalantari, and you've been listening to Open Book. Friday's edition of Cover to Cover on KPFA, 94.1 FM in Berkeley, and KPFA.org. Thanks for listening, and please stay tuned for Free Speech Radio News, coming up next. This is Free Speech Radio News for Friday, January 15th, 2010. In New York, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up on today's newscast, aid and supplies begin to trickle into Haiti as rescuers race against time and survivors struggle for basic assistance. What can I help? There's no hospital. I don't see no emergency, nothing. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. The trial on California's Proposition 8 wraps up its first week in San Francisco, shaping up as a key legal battle for same-sex marriage.
1: You come to a point where you're tired of living your life